I'm Siham Cyrene, and you are here for Better Conversations. It's really important that people know that I've been there, I've done that, and I know what it's like. They can trust that whatever they are going through and been through, I can hold them in that space when they're telling me their story. The photo shoot is about expression. It's about freedom of expression. It's a creative way to express yourself. You don't look in the mirror when you're crying necessarily, and it's not something we naturally do. So, you know, I really appreciate that it's a it's a nerve-wracking process. If you're ready to take that leap, then it's so worth it. And I can't reiterate enough, I've been there and I know what it's like. And, and I, you know, asking for help, I in and out of talking therapy for 25 years, the amount of time I've had to ask for help, and it's agony asking for help time and time again. And that's often by far the most difficult bit, just making that start. I completely understand what it's like being on the other side of that. And in fact, so much so that I will often say, if you want to talk, um, you want to find out more, but you can't even bring yourself to type any words, send me a blank message and I will then start the conversation. While we're gifted with speech, conversations, really good conversations, don't happen as much as we'd like. In this podcast, my guest and I deep dive into all the corners of what makes a conversation awkward and uncomfortable or warming and memorable. My guest is Catherine Chapman. Catherine is a photographer, mental health advocate, and creator of Face to Face, a powerful photographic process for women. It's about giving them the opportunity to see themselves in a more self-loving way as a way of helping them with mental health recovery. She designed the process from her own journey in recovery from depression and anxiety. Since picking up her first camera at the age of eight, Catherine has been fascinated by the medium of the lens. It's almost like the camera is another way for Catherine to connect with people. It's an extension of her immense capability to listen, to hold safe spaces, and her willingness to explore her intuition. I wonder whether, as a photographer, she sees moments, expressions, things unsaid that most of us miss. Catherine, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. So, Catherine, let's start off with understanding what for you makes for a really good conversation. So, for me, a good conversation is not about small talk, uh, quite the opposite. It's about getting to the crux of what makes somebody tick, having meaningful connection, meaningful conversation. I think the older I get, the more I realize that. That meaningful connection is is what's important to me. What gives me fulfillment in life. I love kind of disarming people with like really forward questions about what makes them tick, what's their life purpose, what what makes them passionate, what makes them angry, and maybe presenting them with questions that that they might not have been asked so often before, and to really get to know people. Hmm. And so through your work, who are the kinds of people that you get behind the lens or in front of the lens? I think I get people who are a bit stuck, maybe a little bit lost, are looking for some direction, someone to 
walk beside them for a while on their journey and to mirror back to them what they can't see. And that, that's absolutely what I love to do. I love to show people, show women especially, because I do photograph men as well, but especially for women, photographing them and showing them what they can't see because women so often are very critical of themselves and don't know how amazing they are. And to be able to show somebody that is just such a joyous process. So the process that you designed for helping someone overcome that sort of stuckness, can you talk a little bit more about that, how you came to to that place? So um, I was in and out of talking therapy for about 25 years following a suicide attempt in my early 20s. And I just got to the point when I was really tired of talking, but I wanted to continue the work. I mean, latterly, I I found some really good therapists who helped me enormously. Um, Before that, I was very lost and, and had no direction. But I got to this point when I was really, really tired of talking, but I'd had this idea in my head for a self portrait shoot. And I was ready to look for myself in the eye and to see what was really going on. I'd often thought that people have it worse than me. And I wasn't really deserving of feeling the way I did, but I couldn't shake how I felt. So I thought, right, this is the ultimate test for me. I'm going to photograph myself expressing my most difficult emotions. And I'm going to look myself in the eye and see what's actually there. And what I saw really surprised me. I didn't hate the pictures. I didn't look at myself and think I looked awful or anything like that. I saw a woman who was utterly broken and really needed somebody to take care of her and look after her. And the only person that could do that was me. And thus started this process of self-care and self-love that I'd never, ever experienced before. And it was completely transformational. And about six months after my shoot, and I'd felt the best I'd felt in my entire life. And that's a fairly long time of, of not feeling happy and feeling very lost and feeling very stuck. And I was in this incredible place where I was consistently every day waking up feeling amazing, every day knowing how to look after myself, trying new things, working out if things needed tweaking or if I was to drop something or out of my self-care package. And it was just this ongoing amazing process of just finding incredible things to make me feel good. And this consistent feeling of happiness and fulfillment and self-love and growing sense of all those things was so extraordinary, I suddenly thought maybe it's something I could offer other women. And so I consulted with Gestalt therapist and I said, look, this is my mad idea. What do you think? From a professional point of view, I also um, talked at length to my creative coach who has helped me enormously as well. And I shaped this process and I called it face to face because that's what I, I did. That's what I had called it from my own journey. I'd called it a face-to-face shoot. And in 2019, I piloted it. I put a call out on Facebook and I said, this is what I'm doing. Does anyone want to to do it and see if it'll help them? And I was kind of really gobsmacked with the response um, because I'd shared a photo um, a few months before and people were really sympathetic and supportive. And I laid myself bare and I thought, well, look, I, I can offer this to other women now. You know, hopefully let's see if they can get something out of it. And I photographed 23 women in 2019 and it went better than I ever thought it would. And everything's kind of snowballed from there, really. 
I've seen those photos, Catherine, and and they uh, they're quite remarkable. I'm, I can't mm. quite find the words to <laughs> to say, but they really touch the soul. So that's quite a remarkable journey, and um, I, I do want to talk about the impact that it has um, going through that process and what that process is like. But I, I wonder if we can back up a little bit, which is the whole concept of photographing yourself in quite an intimate way and allowing for what that might be. The thought that's in my head is that's quite scary. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think that's a fair enough thing to think. And I, and I appreciate that because I, that's how I felt. I, it took me six months to do my own shoot. I use some props, which I don't use with my clients, but I kind of gathered all these things together I needed for my shoot. And, and I got to the point when I couldn't put it off any longer. It was a thing that I, you kind of know if you need to do it or not. It is it's very kind of black and white, if you like. I had this urge to do it and not doing it wasn't an option. And it was quite difficult. I mean, there were practical difficulties. There were time constraints um, on doing it. I mean, I did my first shoot. I, I did I did the shoot and went out for a walk afterwards while, while my daughter was at school and realized that I'd missed a whole section out. So I had to come back, get into that space again and reshoot. And then I downloaded the pictures that evening and realized that well, another section was out focus. So I had to set up and do it again. So I had to go into that space three times, which was quite difficult. And it was exhausting. Um, but but it was so revealing and so extraordinary what I saw. It ceased to be, you know, once I'd looked at the gallery, I think the most nerve wracking bit is looking at the gallery and seeing what is there because you, you don't know what you're going to find. But as somebody who kind of facilitates this process, I'm supporting my clients through that. And, you know, that's really key for me is, is, is to be there, you know, as much as possible for them to guide them through the process and to, to help them understand what they're looking at, um, which I didn't have. Uh, and, and, you know, with hindsight, um, that's kind of, that would have been quite helpful. But I went through that process myself. And actually, that makes me extremely equipped to be able to, to hold other women in that space and to be able to guide them through what is going on and, and in the images. And, you know, with, with the galleries that um, I give to women, I'm very sensitive about what images I show them. Of course, with my gallery, I saw all of it. And um, I wasn't able to, you know, obviously take out the ones um, where I had my eyes shut or I was pulling a particularly um, unfortunate face. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm able, obviously able to do that for my clients and, you know, do, do some editing and present them a gallery in which is powerful, revealing, but also very beautiful, very vulnerable, very expressive. And I give them a journey and you can see the journey in the images and everything that they see has something really powerful to show them. I mean, each image, you can spend a long time kind of analyzing each image. But for me, the priorities are to show them their beauty and their strength through their vulnerability um, and how extraordinary they are to have done this process and to have faced themselves in this way. And then to, to, to find out what we can do going forward and how they can use their gallery and what they think about themselves 
now that they have this gallery and what changes for them. Uh, and it, it's a not it's not an overnight thing. It's definitely a long term process. I mean, I'm still learning from my shoot, which was what two and a half years ago. You know, every now and again, I I have a look at as some some of the pictures and and it's a very powerful reminder of who I am, where I've been and where I choose to go from that point. And, and every time I look at them, it's a different point because it's, it's from a, a point from new learning. So yes, it's a, I'm still learning the benefits of the process, which is beautiful. And so how does that conversation with someone who's thinking about doing it when they reach out to you, how does, how does that conversation go? For somebody to reach out, I do appreciate how difficult it can be just to say, hi, I need some help. And um, so the very first thing I do is acknowledge that and, and, and how much it's taken them just to do that. And then the conversation really is a bit more detail about what I do and who I am and my story. So what's important to me is that from the very first moment, I'm creating a safe space for them to express themselves in. So the first view um, is usually on some kind of written message. And so I'm creating that safe, non-judgmental space. So I'm very careful about uh, everything's very open, very non-committal. It's an explorative process, if you like, to find out if they're right for the process, if they're ready for the process. And if I think that that um, they have the resources to do it. And I do know this is where my intuition really comes in. I do really know if it's right or not um, from the work that I've done with, with women in 2019, but also what I know about myself and my life experiences. Um, I really tap into that and find out what they want from the process and what they want to get out of it. And, and if that's something I can meet for them. And if it's not, then I, you know, advise them where, where they might go or where they might look to that something that might be better suited for them. That whole, just that first conversation is a connection conversation, right? I'm sort of putting myself in their shoes. Yes, it, I might have been thinking about this for quite some time before reaching out to you. And I'm hesitant, I'm nervous, feeling quite exposed. So the trust that I feel with you, I guess, has to be really strong to make me think, okay, I've made the right step, although it was a difficult step. What are your thoughts about that? I mean, I totally appreciate that. It's the same with any any kind of one-to-one work that goes into any kind of depth. There is a certain leap of faith uh, and that's about their instincts um, on if it's going to work or not. In everything I do, I try and be as open and as honest as, you know, coming from a place of love as I can be. Uh, it's really important that people know that I've been there, I've done that, I've gone really deep and I know what it's like. They can trust that whatever they are going through and, and been through, I can hold them in that space when they're telling me their story. Because the photo shoot is, a, it is about expression, it's about freedom of expression. It's not therapy, it's, it's a creative way to express yourself and to see yourself from a new perspective. And it, that's something that only photography can do. You, you don't look in the mirror when you're crying necessarily and, and look at yourself for a long time. You know, it, it's not something we naturally do. So, you know, I really appreciate that it's a, it's a nerve wracking process, but one, you know, if you're ready to, to, to take that leap, then it's so worth it. And, you know, I can't reiterate enough. I've been there and I know what it's like. And 
And I, you know, asking for help, I in and out of talking therapy for 25 years, the amount of time I've had to ask for help and it's agony asking for help time and time again. And that's often by far the most difficult bit, just making that start. So yeah, I mean, I, I completely understand what it's like being on the other side of that. And in fact, so much so that um, I, I will often say, if you want to talk, um, you want to find out more, but you can't even bring yourself to type any words, send me a blank message and I will then start the conversation. So they don't even need to start a conversation. I can do that for them. Does that happen? Do people Have people done that? Yes, it has happened. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I remember one lady was actually surprised that I even responded, um, which, you know, is kind of a reflection of where where she was at and um, what she needed. Uh, and yeah, I don't really know why I thought of that when I did. It's something that was never offered to me. And I suddenly thought, well, wouldn't that be nice if actually you don't have to say anything? Because I remember before, you know, emails were so prevalent and stuff, you had to phone up people and say, I need help. Can I come and see you? And phoning and speaking would make me cry. So when when I could self-refer or, ref- or contact someone by email, that was brilliant. But even then writing was difficult. What do I say? Do I give them my life story or do I just say about three words? And I thought, well, I'll just take that out altogether. Just send me a blank email and let me take that, even that bit away from you, because it can be so hard even doing that. It's genius. <laughs> Very nice of you. <laughs> it's genius. I uh, thinking of people who are struggling similarly. Um, that's something that they have said is, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel terrible of always asking for help. I feel they're bored with it. They're bored of being finding themselves in that place. And it just is agonizing to have to ask for help. And I find though that um, it's quite nice to reframe that asking for help. And rather than asking for help, because it sounds, you feel kind of like a victim and, and, and you feel there's nothing wrong with being a victim, but, but it can get you down. It can, it can be like, oh, it can be heavy weight, that kind of label on, on people. And rather than saying you need help, we can say, I would just like somebody to walk beside me for a while on my journey while I navigate my storms just for a little bit. And that's what I do. Um, I'm not telling people what to do. I'm, I'm, I'm just walking beside them, holding up a mirror to all that they are and just being there while they are in their stormy period or in a part of their stormy period. And I'm just supporting them. You know, it's when you frame it like that, you're just asking somebody to join you. You're not necessarily going for help. It is help, but it's it's a reframed help. And actually there's something really beautiful about that and kind of freeing and permissive in like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm just inviting somebody in. That's all I'm doing. And I quite like that. It feels less lonely. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice observation. You're right. Yeah. So when you're doing the photo shoot, what, what's going on? Is that woman talking through how she's feeling? How do you capture those moments? 
So what's really important is that, that when my clients come to the photo shoot, they come as they are. I have no expectation of what they're going to be, what they're going to say, how they're going to look or anything. They come as they are. And for a lot of women, that's quite um, an unusual request because we always put on certain faces for whatever we're doing. And at the before the photo shoot, there's a conversation, 20 minutes, half an hour, establishing boundaries, working out how they're feeling today, if there's anything I should know. There's a series of questions that I ask um, and we have the, a big discussion about what's going on for them and what they, you know, what they, now they're here, what do, how do they feel? What do they want to get out of it? You know, what their absolute yeses and nos are, all of those things. And, and that really helps me guide the conversation and also it makes them feel much more at ease um, as well. Because things like, you know, the, the whole point is is freedom of expression. So we talk about what emotions they want to express and if there are any they don't want to express and how they're going to tell me when they've had enough and or they don't want to talk about something. So all of that, you know, just goes to solidify this safe space, know that I'm not going to judge them. They can tell me whatever they want and and I will not judge them. And then we my clients sit on a stool. So it's a grey backdrop sitting on a stool and one studio light. And what I do is um, a little bit of breathing to start with, to get them connected to the to their bodies, and you know where they are in that moment and how they're feeling. Uh, and then I just simply say to them, "Where would you like to begin?" And some people know exactly where they want to begin, and some people don't. And so that's when they ask them a question, and the the usual question is something like, "I'll pick up on something that that they've said in." the pre-shoot chat, or I'll just simply ask them how they're feeling. They can talk about whatever they want to, and we can shoot for as long as they want to as well. The women know when they've had enough. They know what's safe to talk about and, and what's not for them, because we can only talk about what we're ready to talk about. And if something isn't safe for them to talk about, then they won't talk about it. And I don't push anything. And that's another one of the things I ask them as well, you know, how, how much do they want me to challenge what they're saying as in dig it, maybe dig a little deeper in, into what they're saying. Um, so it can be their story. It can be um, about an incident that's happened. It can be where what's happened the past few months and stuff will come up and every emotion is welcome, particularly anger. <laughs> and for me, I think one of the reasons I say that to um, my clients is because expressing anger isn't something that we're really kind of allowed to do as a society. So we push anger down and I certainly have, and we don't really know what to do with it. And the more we don't express it, the scarier it becomes. And, and it's not to be angry at somebody else. It's to be angry at what's happened in, in the past or what's happening currently. And it's really important to express that because if it's not expressed, it just gets worse and then comes out in, in potentially um, destructive ways that, that aren't healthy. Um, so I try and encourage my clients to, ex to express their anger. And then we can look at that and, and in, the, in the pictures, you know, say that this is, you deserve to feel like this. You're a human being. It's absolutely okay to have these feelings, whatever they are, including anger. That's fascinating because, yes, we really don't know what to do with anger and society or we're told not to feel quite so angry or 
Yeah. So we're invalidating the feelings that we have when we're feeling angry. And, and, and even if we are allowed to feel angry, it can, we can stay stuck in a loop of feeling angry as well, right? Rather than it being useful. Yeah. And in fact, I hadn't expressed my anger at all, actually, until my face-to-face shoot. And it just felt, I remember talking about it in therapy before, it just felt like it was so massive. My anger was frightening me because I didn't know what was going to happen when it came out. And all that did happen was that, you know, I I flailed my arms around a bit, banged the floor, hit a pillow and kind of did a bit of screaming and shouting in my own space. Uh, and it was that was the safe space, and it's about having that safe space to express yourself. And when do we have that? See, this is what I want to offer women. When do we have that space to really express ourselves? When we know we're not going to be judged, we know it's safe to do so, and it's there to be received. You see, the difference between what I'm doing with the women that I work with and what I had to myself was I didn't really have anywhere for that to be received apart from my camera. <laughs> when I'm in the space with the women, I can validate how they feel. I can I can nod and you know just kind of project my compassion and give them that space to to know that it's okay and i think that's really important having your having really strong emotions somewhere to land and somewhere to be validated in that moment i think is really important and then through their galleries they have it reflected back and they have it validated by themselves and i help them do that i help them see i, I, I help them yeah understand what what they're seeing in their pictures again just uh, an incredible i've got lots of questions there's a piece about the, you know, what are they angry about? Mm. And then what do they see when they see themselves angry? So in the shoot, people can express their emotions. I mean, I often say to women, you don't have to say anything at all if you don't want to. We can just sit there for half an hour and I can photograph you. And I mean, that's never happened, but that would be quite an extraordinary process, I think. People don't have to tell me why they're angry. The women often do, but but they can just be angry and use that space just to express themselves in that way. And with the pictures that I choose in that moment or those moments when they are expressing their anger, I'm choosing pictures. And I in those moments, I often, often choose, you know, a series of pictures because what I don't think we realise is when we are in that moment expressing ourselves, we're being so brutally honest and so amazingly expressive that there's so much in there to learn from. Oh, I've gone goose pimply from head to toe talking about this. You know, I see and I show them that they are being strong and they are being brave and they're being vulnerable and, and, and they look incredibly beautiful and empowered those aren't the things that we automatically think of when we think about expressing our anger. We just think about maybe tear-stained faces, redness, maybe a bit of, you know, contortion and gesticulation and, and all those kinds of things. And actually, and those are, you know, maybe part of it, but that's not what I have ever captured. I haven't captured that. I've, I've captured all the things that I've said to you before. And that's very surprising and very incredible and revealing and extraordinary. And it can be really changing to see images of yourself that aren't what you thought they are. 
And what do women say when they see those images of themselves? Well, they're always nervous, um, mm. which is perfectly mm. normal. And in fact, if, if they weren't nervous, I would be concerned. Maybe I hadn't done my job right or, you know, we'd not delved deep enough. It's that comfortably uncomfortable place, I think, uh, of expression. So the overriding response is, wow, I expected to really hate my images and I don't. So that's number one, which is quite top level, which is really nice. And then the second, so what I do is, is we go through their images first. So we neither, so it's, it's, a, it's either in person or it's a, it's a video call. So we'll share screen and we'll look at the same things. And it's important for me to see the reaction as well as hear her reaction. We'll look at the gallery once in silence and then we'll go through it again. And then I'll invite her to start responding. And, you know, there are, there are moments of, wow, and oh, and gosh, and that's amazing. And from those points, that's when we start talking about individual pictures. And at the end, I will say to my client, you know, what's your overriding feeling? What, what are you getting from your pictures? And it's usually something along the lines of, I didn't expect to see what I saw. I didn't expect to see my bravery and vulnerability presented to me in this way. And it's amazing. And that's when their process starts. Because what will happen is they will then go away and they will start processing what they've seen. And the gallery viewing is a couple of weeks after their photo shoot. So they had a couple of weeks to process the shoot with me. And I'm there available to talk to them at any time. And I will check in with them a lot as well and see how they're doing. And then they we view the gallery. And then there's this, this period of kind of where we leave their gallery and we, we work on their self-care. And then we'd have another gallery viewing a few months later. And the point of that is to see how far they've come in between their two gallery viewings because it is a process, because it isn't something that necessarily happens overnight. There's learning to be done and there's your brain just needs to kind of work through what it's seen and how it feels about it. And then the second gallery viewing, we look back in those few months between the first and second one and, and see how my client feels about her images and what's changed. And often what happens is they've grown so much or they've taken so much from the first gallery viewing and they're processing without even knowing. And that, that's one of the amazing things I learned last year was how much we, we process, because I did the same with my shoot, how much we process in that time that we don't realise we're doing. And that needs to be honoured and that needs to be celebrated. And that is where they then can go, go out on their own, if you like, and take that moving forward for them. So if they can see some progression, that's a really positive thing. They know they can do it. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back right after this. Better conversations. We all want to have them at work. Have you ever felt dread about an upcoming chat with a colleague you needed to have or had that sinking feeling when that meeting didn't go as well as you hoped? When we can provide a safe space in conversation, the other person feels able to open up without fear. As leaders, part of helping our team do their job effectively is to motivate and guide our people to deliver on their goals. 
and when we have successful conversations, we become more influential, encourage deeper collaborations and foster true connection at work. Did you know it's the number one skill that sets the top leaders apart from the rest? That's why we've created a 12-week online course hosted by executive coach Seherm Cyrene, helping you to navigate those tough conversations with skill and compassion. Enroll today at leaderswhocoach.today. So, Catherine, what are the women surprised by when they see those photos? Firstly, oh, well, the initial, initial reaction is that they're surprised that they like their pictures and that they don't look awful because we, women are generally very self-critical. Uh, they are surprised what I see in their pictures and how offering them a different perspective on themselves is very welcome, actually, and surprising and something that they often find difficult to sit with. But I really try and hold that space for them so they can sit with that and they can start to appreciate all these really good things about themselves and see see these positive things, their beauty, their strength and courage and their vulnerability and learn to appreciate themselves more and like themselves. And also by seeing pictures of, of themselves expressing difficult emotions, it's also a way to accept themselves and to accept that that's okay. And it's just part of who they are because they have this gallery that is a journey. There's lots of different things which make up who they are and they're all valid and they're all beautiful and they're all good. And it's, uh, it's lovely to, to watch that realization happen in the first gallery viewing. And then in the second gallery viewing to, to see that really affirmed is amazing. And the feelings that they are having in that photo shoot are feelings of 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 what um, guilt, shame. Yeah, I mean, most commonly, not feelings of not being worthy and not good enough. Th- those are very prevalent, and injustice. Their sense of injustice is is quite high, and making sense of what they're feeling and not making sense of what they're feeling, allowing their feelings to just be. So there's there's an awful lot of stuff, but I, th- I think, you know, not feeling that they're enough is, is massive for a lot of women. And so that's usually very present in the photo shoots. It's interesting because I was in conversation recently with a couple about their 17-year-old daughter. Uh, and I have a daughter of a similar age, as you know, and there seems to be this massive uptick for young women. And I'm sure it's been there, you know, forever. But it feels like this sense of anxiety and depression and not feeling worthy and so on is on the rise in a quite a concerning way. I remember um, as a teenager feeling some anxiety and feeling a little bit awkward or um, out of my depth or, you know, but the extent that I think a lot of young girls are feeling at the moment just seems to be, a, a, you know, a, a, just too much. Yeah. You know, that was definitely there when I, when I was younger. And what really struck me was when you were talking just then was this sense of the needing to conform. And, you know, I know everybody likes to feel part of something, like to, like to feel that they belong. And that's 
really, really important. And also, I think is what is important is realizing that we don't need to conform to stereotypes. We don't need to conform to what other people think. And I think this is a realization for me is that once I stopped looking outside into the world for what I needed and started looking inward, suddenly I found all my answers. And it was like they were going, thank God, you know, how long does it take you? (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Um, So that that was lovely and and liberating. I I remember feeling certain things when I was little, like, like not not squashing ants and and how I remember feeling, well, they have a a right to live just as I do, just as much as I do. And then that's somehow being, I don't know, being beaten out of me in some kind of way. And then I found that again, when I, when I found the answers within myself, I started being truer to myself. And so the conformity thing is, is exactly the same, you know, we're looking to the outside to validate who we are, to fit in with all these ridiculous molds that society is throwing at us. And when actually, so what we need to do is to look in inside of ourselves and find our authentic self and our trueness and what our values and purpose are and use them to define and shape who we are rather than looking for it outside. Once we realize that, it's quite a liberating thing to feel, then what we need to do is just sit and be with our feelings and our emotions, sit and be with who we are, listen to our body. And that's where all our answers are. And they may not come straight away. So if I'm something's thrown me in life and, and I'm struggling with something, rather than try and work out what's going on, I sit and listen to what my body needs. Does it need rest? Does it need exercise? Do I need to do some meditation? Do I need to you know, work on the spiritual side of where I am? And do I need to eat? Do I need to sleep? Do I need to run or leave these four walls, you know, and and get out? And so that for me is what looking internally is, is listening to what we really need and using that as the answers to everything in our life. And in fact, we don't have to make sense of anything. I will often sit with stuff for days, maybe even weeks, not knowing what to do and waiting for my body to let me know. And my body always lets me know my body is always right. And to the point now that I try not to listen to my rational head when it's to do with emotions. It's to do with, you know, working out and being very present with my body and what it's telling me. That's a great life lesson too. What you're saying is there's a there's an internal conversation which involves you listening to your whole self and going from there in terms of, okay, well, you know, I can the self-talk can be more about healing and rebalancing um, than than the first place that we usually find ourselves, which is listening to our negative self-talk and have that drag us down. Absolutely. And from my face-to-face shoot, having my inner critic turned right down and seeing myself as somebody that needs compassion, gentleness and patience, I'm able to grant myself the space to be able to listen so much better. And, you know, that that's just then exponential growth and happiness comes from that because I am aware that my body knows everything. So I can just go, okay, over to you. And then I could kind of let myself off the hook, really. 
which happens quite a lot. So if I'm struggling with something and I'll maybe do a meditation and something will come to me, often I'll have like these, I have like these guides, if you like, who just kind of pop into my head and it's all just stuff that I sense and feel and and they and I might go oh well what, what do I do so my inner leader um I'll say to my inner leader well what do I do and she'll just go to me don't do anything you're not ready yet just leave, leave it up to me you you go about your business and I'll tell you when 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 we're ready and so it's like great I can just sort off and do what <laughs> do something else now. I don't need to worry about it. So that, that, and that's another way that I listen to my body. I just have these, um, these, these wonderful people, uh, in my head that help me, but they're positive people and, and, and they quiet my inner critic and they allow me space and time. And, uh, it's all rather lovely. Um, and it's fun too, as well. So why is, why is the camera and it's almost like it's an integral part of you. It's part of your process of observing the world. Why is the camera, do you think, so important to you? I think I've always been innately curious about people and what's behind their eyes. I think with my own depression and anxiety, I remember on countless occasions looking at someone thinking they're not happy and not knowing why I felt like that, but just knowing. And I think the camera helps me with that kind of intuition, I suppose, uh, and, and helps me really see people because being seen and being heard are so important. And I think the camera is my way of allowing people to be seen, showing them in the way that I see them and, and, and hopefully getting to that point where they can see themselves as, as being these beautiful, whole, incredible people that they are. And I do that, you know, the, the, the more I delve into my own emotions and my own mental health, which is an ongoing process for us all, the more I want to do that with other people and the more meaningful conversations that I, that I want to have. And the camera really helps me with that. What I do when I look through somebody's gallery is I'm really, really sitting with them. You can't deny something that's looking back at you in the camera. You're capturing moments that otherwise would have gone or would be ignored. And I refuse to ignore people's absolute essence of who they are because it's an incredible and wonderful and detailed, beautiful thing. And the camera really allows me to do that. And sitting with people's galleries, especially with my face-to-face -face work, is an extraordinary process for me. And I'm bearing witness to these people. It's these incredible women who, who are, are doing this process and trusting me with this process. And, and I'm seeing them, really, really seeing them. And that's such a gift for me to do. And it's so life-affirming for me because I feel so connected to these women. And like I know them in ways that I would never have otherwise known. Some, some have been my friends, some, some I, I'd never known before, so I never would have otherwise met. And it's, it's, it's a real privilege to do. Uh, and the power of the photograph and my camera becomes more and more precious with every shoot I do. What I find fascinating and, you know, often I talk to people about, you know, what do they notice about body language and what are they picking up from someone's conversation? And uh, something you mentioned earlier is you, you're showing several frames from that moment because our facial expression does change in a microsecond. And it strikes me that that is quite a 
mirror that we don't even ourselves see Mm. or don't want to see or too scared to see. Mm. And so the fact that you're capturing those microsecond moments of someone's expression that can change massively um, within that time, uh, such a short space of time, and then that you see beauty in it. I find that double layer of you know, reflection or mirror when they're looking at their at their gallery, they are, it's almost like it's a, there's a, is it an acceptance? Is it a permission thing? Is it, what is it do you think that's going on there? It's both of those things actually. And I, I just was finding myself just nodding along with everything you were saying then. In those moments that I capture, we are very sensitive to slight alterations in eye gaze. And that's what I'll get in those moments. Um, it's a slight change in eye gaze that can reveal so much. When they see their pictures, and and, I, and I'll often get really excited when, I, when we start talking, because I can't wait to tell them what I'm seeing and what, I, what I'm showing them. And I'll, I'll say, look, look at this look at what this is saying. Look at what this is speaking. This is an amazing picture of you with all these things in it. And they and and they might often go, yeah, wow, I, I never would have thought about that. I never would have seen that. It's just showing them something. And, you know, I'm as positive as, as I can be. And it's such a joy to be like that with somebody when they feel that they are you know, they have expressed difficult things or hard things. And often women will tell me things that they've not told anybody else, which is incredible. But out of that comes, it's, you know, like the phoenix rising, out of that pain and suffering and agony can come such joy and realisation and a mirror that they would never otherwise have had held up. And it really helps with self-acceptance and self-love. And it's wonderful to see their expression going from confusion to like, what What are you seeing? I don't understand. And then me explaining and, and telling them to them suddenly going, oh yeah, wow, that's amazing. And then they can start looking at the rest of their gallery from that space. And it's just joy. And how much of it do you think is the surprise element? Because as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, okay, well, if I was seeing a photos of myself what what would my reaction be and i wonder whether there's we assume that our feelings or when we display our feelings don't show us in a in a positive nice acceptable light and whether our inner inner critic does an incredible job of amplifying that and and leads us down this path of thinking we actually not only, you know, is the feeling terrible, but we look terrible because we have that feeling or we, you know, we're trying to suppress it. It suddenly just becomes this monster that we can't do anything with. And I wonder whether there's relief in seeing photos of themselves that actually don't look as bad as they thought they did or are reasonable. Yeah. And, and, and photos that they actually love as well and surprised that they like pictures of themselves when they're not smiling. You know, I've, I've had the most achingly beautiful shots with some women and they're just looking in the distance and they're thinking about something that might be really hard or they're preparing to talk about something that's really hard. And they just look absolutely stunning. And 
they're not smiling. They're not looking straight at the camera. They might be feeling really nervous and vulnerable. What an unusual and incredible photo to have of yourself with all the filters on phones and and all this, this information we're fed about how we're supposed to look. You know, no one takes pictures when we're not looking really happy and flawed skin. I mean, it just doesn't really happen very much anymore. And we're losing our our senses of identity and uniqueness and humanness because we're just slapped on with all these filters. And actually, we don't need to be smiling and have flawed skin, uh, flawless skin to look absolutely incredible. And actually, you know, I'm not interested in happy pictures because we don't learn anything from happy pictures. All we learn is that someone's having a nice time and that's great. That's fine. But for my work, I am interested in what we can learn from photos that move people. I don't want people to look at images and go, well, that's nice. That's not what I'm here for. I'm not here to create nice pictures. I am here to create pictures that evoke emotion and that move people and drive people to to change how they see themselves. I mean, it's so powerful. There is a worrying trend, isn't there, that Um, We do have to, in the world of Instagram and Facebook, portray images of Mm. us feeling grateful, us feeling happy, us feeling, you know, contented. And it's really quite skewed. It is. And it just buries, just buries our emotions. It, It buries who we are. And whenever I share one of my images from my shoe... What, what I am hoping to do is, you know, show people who I am. But more than that, give people permission, give people permission to feel, to, to, to have their emotions validated and, and hopefully to allow them to start talking about what's going on for them. Mm. And there is a humanism. I love your photos um, of the women. And you're right, some of them are, you know, very few of them are smiling, but that doesn't take away from their beauty. And there's something quite raw and stirring about a lot of the images that I've seen that you've shared. And what incredibly brave women to to do that, to go through that process in the first place. Not only that, I mean, I think more than that is is that that they were happy for me to share their images in the name of getting the word out there of the work I do. And and I'm so grateful for them. They're all extraordinary women. And, you know, they gave themselves permission to do the process and and to see what would happen. And then, then to be able to share what they what they did was was just incredible and i'm so grateful to them they are very brave indeed to to share an image and and you know i understand what that feels like i remember when i shared my first image from my shoot um i was pretty scared it, like like i said earlier not doing it wasn't an option so i knew i had to do it it was going somewhere i trusted in my instincts that sharing it was the right thing to do and so Um, You know, I hope it was the same for the women that I featured. There's a strength in you to hold that space. There's a a willingness to be in some uncomfortable um, emotions and expressions. Um, And that kind of speaks to the depth that you enjoy and have comfort in, in going to that kind of depth in conversations that's beyond the superficial, right? What makes you feel like you've had a brilliant conversation with someone for yourself? When I've come away and I feel richer for having had that conversation, when I'm moved, when I feel I've experienced meaning 
and and con- deep connection with somebody. And it's not about small talk. It's about who are you? What makes you tick? What drives you? What makes you angry? What makes you happy? What makes you just want to throw caution to the wind and, you know, run off somewhere for a bit? It's all those kind of expressions of freedom of emotion that I'm really interested in. What what could you say that you think might shock me about who you are? What could you say that I might find surprising? And, you know, I suppose in some ways it's almost that challenge. Surprise me, make me shocked. No, nothing really does. Um, but But it's about finding out you know, those things that people don't really talk about to other people very much. And and, and then that becomes a massive privilege. Uh, and and then you're, then you know some something about people that they might not tell other people. For me, I suppose it's becoming that person that people can trust. And I often challenge myself as that how quickly that I can get to a, a deeper conversation with people that I've just met. Um, and not that I'm timing it or anything. So we can like, how much small talk do we have to do before we can start the, you know, the proper conversation about you know, what makes you tick and what drives you and what your purpose is, all those kinds of things. So, and I love it when, when I get there quickly, um, I get really excited and um, I can have wonderful conversations. Uh, I particularly enjoy conversations about people's spiritual side, because that that's another thing that we don't really talk about very much. And uh, what do people think about life after death and their existence and their spirituality and and the universe and all those kinds of things? Th- those, those ones make me really excited. Well, you hold, you're, you're a brilliant listener. So I imagine you get there quite quickly from my experience of talking to you. Just it opens up the space and it's an invitation to to talk, right? And um, if we hold enough of that space, enough of that silence, then people do start sharing. Yeah. And also I think sharing something from yourself first as well is important. And 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 I will I will often throw caution to the wind and I'll go, well, I I'm after a deeper conversation here, I'm gonna share something about myself and see if that opens up a conversation. That that that's often a quite a good trick. But it's got to be something that I'm happy for it, it not to go anywhere, you know, for the conversation not to happen if I share. So it's, I've got to feel safe that or, or com- confident enough that if I share something and it's not reciprocated, that that's okay as well. So I think sharing from my space is a really good way of allowing other people to consider if they want to do the same. We've spent a lot of time talking about what goes into the spaces that you create for women, the conversations. You, you are an, an incredible listener, but I do have to ask you the question. Yeah. <laughs> What's your worst conversation habit? Oh, interrupting. I'm absolutely awful. <laughs> <laughs> the trouble is I get so excited about what I want to say and I know that I'll forget it because uh, my mind will go on to something else that, that I have a really annoying habit of interrupting people. And um, yes, I do get pulled up about that at home. <laughs> quite frequently. Um, So that's something that I really have to keep in check is is that I do zip it and not get overexcited and and maybe uh, write something down if I really need to say something. (laughs) Well, it's interesting because I think in some cultures that's perfectly perfectly accepted and normal, right? But I think in other cultures, this interruption can be read as rude. Well, for me, I feel that, you know, I don't like it when it's done to me. And so I shouldn't be, or I don't want to do it to other people. And, and it's about 
for me, giving them enough space to express themselves and to say what they need to say without me then jumping in and and giving my point of view. And I think with the work I do, I think I think I find it easier to do at I'm really bad at home. I think I'm easier with my clients. I don't jump in so much with them. Uh, but it's something that I really need to, I'm really conscious of. I'm really, it, it's really important for me to do because as you said, that silence is really important. When you give people that silence, more stuff comes through. And that silence is very precious. Even when people have finished, you know, to, to just allow them a few seconds to, especially in the, in my work, allow them more time. I mean, there's a quite a lot of silence in the, in the work and allow them time to kind of process what they've just said, think about it, feel a little bit more and see where that, that else can go for them. And so I wonder if there's one last thing that you would like to share or, or leave listeners with. The one thing I think is the power of you and we really underestimate who we are as individuals and what we can achieve. And once we start really listening to our authentic selves, that's where the magic is. And I would say, gift yourself some time to get to know yourself better and to, to listen to who you are and what you really need and take life from that space because you can't get that wrong. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Thank you, Catherine. This has been a fantastic conversation. Oh, such a pleasure. Thank you, Siham. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Better Conversations with me, Siham Cyrene. And if you did, leaving me a lovely review and rating on Apple Podcast will help me reach more listeners who want to have better conversations at work and in their private lives. You can check out show notes at betterconversations.co forward slash podcast. If you're a regular subscriber, brilliant, lovely to have you back. And if this is your first time, hit subscribe, leave a review and tell a friend. A screenshot and an Instagram story would be going above and beyond. And I would be very grateful. Please tag me at Siham Cyrene, all one word, S-E-H-A-A-M-C-Y-R-E-N-E. And of course, I'll tag you right back. So... What would you like to hear my future guests and I talk about? Or perhaps you would like to be my guest because you've got a strong point of view that you'd like to share or kick about with me on the podcast. Drop me a note, podcast at betterconversations.co. I'd love to hear from you. And if you are a leader who knows you could achieve so much more in your career and be way more influential by having better conversations and stronger relationships, then do consider enrolling for my 12-week online course, Leaders Who Coach. You'll find the curriculum, videos, and a whole load more at leaderswhocoach.today. Thanks for listening. I'm Siham Cyrene, and this has been a better conversation.